Football Friday with Bickley and Murata, presented by 72 Soul. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. What you looking at, bro? What you see? Bro, you don't like that? You don't like the scene? You don't like the scene on the 50? Come on, bro. That's wide open. Hey, offense, let's go. Let's go. Offense, 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 let's go. Offense, let's go. I'm trying to win. It's listen, same deal. Nothing, listen, nothing they're doing, right? That is Cliff Kingsbury trying to preside over the conversation between Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. We all saw the pictures um, you know, on the broadcast of Kyler and D-Hop having some words coming off the field after a failed drive against the Seahawks, but uh, it wasn't until Hard Knocks came out a couple nights ago that we got the audio behind it. And look, DeAndre Hopkins asking, bro, what are you seeing? And I'm on the 50, on the seam. And Kyler Murray kind of reassuring, calm the bleep down, which is... That's his thing. That's a new catchphrase. <laughs> That's his go-to. It is. It's gonna be. He's gonna have it on a T-shirt. But there's a lot of people a, that that are taking on the the DeAndre Hopkins part of that conversation. What is Kyler Murray seeing? Because this offense, it's not all on Kyler Murray. I, I can't stress that enough. But it's so different looking than it has been. And if you look at the numbers and just the the, the sheer stats are down. Kyler Murray's completions through nine games way up from any time in his career, but the yards the lowest ever. Uh, he's near the bottom of the league in yards per attempt. We talked earlier in the show about the the screen passes, which are called, but the checkdowns and uh, Bick and I have been talking about it for a couple of years now. There's there's definitely a horizontal feel to this offense. Um, so you have to wonder, you know, is DeAndre Hopkins' question that was one moment uh, in episode one of Hard Knocks. Is that what is holding back this Cardinals offense? And that is what is or what is not Kyler Murray seeing? It's almost if you're a Cardinal fan, that's the last thing you want to hear no. DeAndre Hopkins Absolutely. asking Kyler Murray because you're you're watching this going, what happened to the downfield vertical passing game? What happened to Kyler Murray, the the dual threat quarterback, you know, the the ultimate weapon? Murray has the arm talent to throw the football down the field. In fact, he was among the league leaders in that department, yards per pass attempt, mm-hmm. last year. In fact, I know college is a different game, but just to just just a, a note to illustrate the downfield arm talent of Kyler Murray, his senior year at Oklahoma, Vinny, he set the NCAA record for yards per pass attempt. Okay, so think about that. This is a guy that, despite not being a tall guy, has the ability to whip that football down the field. And we saw it through seven games last year. We don't see it anymore. And a lot of people are questioning what Kyler Murray sees. You see the end zone views on the All-22, like why doesn't he see this? And obviously the question is, you know, is the height becoming more and more of a problem as his NFL career progresses? And maybe opposing defensive coordinators are finding something through their own film study that are that's yeah. making it harder for him to see down the field. And sure, then, which but, happens to every quarterback, sure, by the way, regardless but, of height but, or team that they play for. But then when Hopkins comes over to the sideline and literally says, what are you seeing? I'm wide open at the 50. Kyler gets defensive. It's a cause for concern. I, you know, Look, yeah, but Vinny, they, 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 can't, they can't run it right now. That's an offensive line problem. Kyler's led him in rushing the last two games. Cliff Kingsbury. End on the season. Yeah, end on the season. Yeah. And, and Cliff, even after the game, admitted, he goes, yeah, that's problematic. 
You know, so they're they're not running the football. They didn't with their running backs. They didn't do it against Minnesota. They didn't do it last week in, uh, against Seattle. And they've trailed in eighty percent of their game uh, percentage of the games this year. They've been they've been down. Mm-hmm. They, they, obviously, the first quarter touchdown last week was the first one all season. So the whole offense really. And again, I I brought this up earlier. It really hasn't looked right since he came back from injury. It really hasn't. It did, and, and, you know, it, it, it didn't even look right in the Packer game when they suffered that first loss no, last no, year. You're right. So, like, something something has gone wonky here because this is not anything that even resembles the team we saw play right, at well, SoFi last October. No, but let's go back to that 7-0 start. Um, it was humming. It was unstoppable. Kyler Murray, like you said, was playing at an MVP level. What was the biggest difference? Well, they had DeAndre Hopkins from day one. They had health on the offensive line. Is this a situation where this quarterback, this offense, everything needs to be perfect and aligned for them to thrive? Because you're right. Um, And even through the first DeAndre Hopkins injury, this team kept afloat. I I think they did more than keep afloat. Winning two of three games with Colt McCoy... Two road games with Colt McCoy, a quarterback, might have been one of the more impressive things that they did last year, all told. The win in San Francisco was about as, well, Tennessee and and L.A., but the win in San Francisco was up there for one of their most... sturdy win. 49ers turned the ball over a little bit in that game, but still, that was a dominant performance on the road with Colt McCoy back there. Your thesis statement, your, your, your main topic... Since Kyler Murray came back, this offense or last year, this offense has looked completely different. And that's with or without DeAndre Hopkins now. Okay, so they didn't. Cliff admitted after the season they didn't scheme up the offensive attack well enough in the absence of DeAndre Hopkins sure. late last season. And Cliff said that's that's on me. Okay, so conventional wisdom would be you've got all summer and August to get ready for six games without DeAndre Hopkins, Mm -hmm. and it looked pretty much the same. That was telling to me. And then he comes back for the first two games, and he's unstoppable. But now you got this this zigzag game that's going on. You zig, the defensive coordinator zag. And after that discussion that we just played, where Kyler Murray reassures you, I'm going to get you the ball. Which he didn't. He didn't. Was that because of what the defense was was preventing? That we don't know. That's why... The Cardinals themselves and us in the media and every Cardinal fan knew how big that Seahawks game was last Sunday. Must win Mm -hmm. at home, which sadly doesn't mean much around here these days, but still at home. A a team that you lost to 19-9 when you eschewed so many field goal opportunities and you didn't have Hopkins. You come back to this game last week, you're like, all right, this is it now, boys. Let's roll. And they didn't do it. And think about this real quick before we hit the break. You talked about Hopkins coming back. Another reason why that was so big, think of the complexion of the team if they win that game mm-hmm. against Seattle. Hops back for three games, we're 2-1, and one, get a division win, endorphins are feeling pretty good throughout our, our souls, we're going on the road, we're going to mm-hmm. beat a Rams team that's beatable. Everything changes. You're, you've won two of three with Hop, he's playing well, Murray's finding his mojo, but instead, you lose that game, you're 1-2, and two, you're doubting yourself, you're 3-6, and six, you're 0-3 in the division, and pretty much everybody's closing the book on you. That's why it was such a Critical game last week, mm-hmm. Vinny. Critical. Yeah, and you could say a lot of the s- same things about this week's game, too. Uh, coming up next, we'll continue to talk NFL. 
another Thursday night snoozer. That's worked out well so far. And uh, some other NFL hash mark storylines straight ahead. Tim ring in for Bick today here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata. Hash marks. Oh, Tim Ring, another Thursday. Another classic on Thursday Night Football. At least the Panthers did it in different colored helmets last night. (laughs) That might have been the highlight of Thursday Night Football. The black helmets worn by the Panthers. The all-black look. Uh, I think uh, Amazon and uh, football fans. Wow, that was a nice little squeak of the voice there, huh? Uh, football football fans were uh, hoping for a repeat of hey, Peter Brady. Come on, <laughs> they were hoping for a repeat of the first Panthers Falcons game, which was just bananas. Uh, man, the the Thursday night product this year, Amazon, Mr. Bezos has got to be. Uh, well, they paid. They things. paid what about a billion dollars. Uh, those meetings will take place. Like, listen, we need some return on our our investment. Thursday night football was always the dumping point for everybody to get a primetime game, right? Yeah. That's remember, and that's still what it is, basically. I know, and remember, like, remember when the Rams were in St. Louis and the Cardinals were not very good, and uh-huh. those teams they always stuck those. Like, here yep. we can we can kill two of these birds with one stone. Yeah, put them both on a Thursday night game. I mean, Amazon's dumping a lot of money, and their production, boy, they take that thing on the road, Vinny. That mm-hmm. is not cheap. They're paying those people probably a a handsome salary. Sherman and Whitworth hired and, a whole new crew. That whole studio crew is all new, and we know what they're paying. Al Michaels, and, mm-hmm. and so I, I would assume, you know, I don't, I don't know what Jeff Bezos is thinking, but you got to get us some better quality. And you know who's going to bitch about it is Al Michaels. I mean, I don't know how much he a pull he has, but he's. We joked about it earlier. He's got to be sitting there going, "You got to be kidding me with this." I mean, the two games leading up to the Cardinals Saints Thursday night game were two of the worst in recent memory for Thursday night football. And that's saying something. And he did not hold back. I mean, the Saints-Cardinals was actually kind of a palate cleanser. You had points. You had some uh, actual highlights in yeah. that in that game. But for the most part, uh, and considering the Tua injury, which shook America, that happened on Thursday night. It's Year one's not been good for Amazon. It's just, it's inevitable, right, with Thursday games? I, I think so. You just... It, with that little practice time, with that quick of a turnaround, unless they want to sort of change the entire scheduling where you only play Thursday night games when you're coming off a bye or something like that, mm-hmm. it's probably always going to be bad quality football, even if it's good teams. Yeah. That, Go ahead. Tim. I was going to say, and they've, they've tried to dress it up. I mean, remember the early days of, of Thursday night football? I mean, Bryant Gumble was doing the play by play on the NFL network, and it was a that's, disaster. That's true. And it I was a total that. disaster, unwatchable. So the product was bad, and the presentation was bad. So the NFL has made it a point now look with the networks, like you put your top guys. You treat this as if it were Monday night or Sunday night football, but you're still putting a tuxedo on a pig. Yeah. That's the problem. I mean, it's just, it's always traditionally and historically been ugly, sloppy football with teams having three days to prepare. And that's, I, I, just because you're paying Al Michaels 
twenty million dollars and Kirk Herbstreit ten million dollars mm-hmm. isn't going to change that fact. That's true. Uh, that's enough on Thursday Night Football. Falcons Panthers. Let's let's move on. But <laughs> what am I? F- the visual of a pig in a tuxedo. I would like for that to hang out a little bit longer. <laughs> I'm enjoying that. Great tattoo. I've never heard. I've heard put lipstick on a pig. Yeah, I've I've never never heard heard the mask on a pig. I've got a few. There's more with that. I got a few, got a few Timisms. When you're from the Midwest, <laughs> Look, let's you face dress it, up the, your pigs in all different ways. The pig in the tuxedo was way better than the coffin example from earlier in the show. <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't like the visual of Sean McVay rising from a coffin? Okay, but the thing is, there is a company in Phoenix that will let you have your own funeral while you're still alive. That's incredibly dark for 721 in the morning. That was an episode But you can pay a company here in Phoenix to like do your own and you go through it. You just, experience it. Just so you can hear all the nice things people I say about so. you before you die. turn into a roast. That's... <laughs> That it's is, so dark. Do you have to pretend like you're no longer... I don't know that detail. Or do you just... Wow. There's an I episode of, about 30 seconds of this video. There's but. an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm where Albert Brooks does that and he makes them all give him a funeral while he's still alive so he could see all the nice things. <laughs> it does remind me, though, of the old joke about, you know, they asked somebody, what do you want the priest to say at your funeral? And I said, I want him to say... Look, he moved. <laughs> <laughs> that's, my, that's funny. That's where the saying Saved by the Bell came from. You guys know that, right? No. No, no. I thought it was a school related. Yeah. No, nope. Saved, by the, with, uh, saved by the Bell came I about. I thought it was a boxing nope, back, with back, AC Slater. No, back in the old days when there wasn't, like real old days, when there wasn't modern medicine, people would slip into comas and they, they thought they were dead. So they literally put bells in the what? coffin. Yeah, this is a true story. Oh, Bell- my God. And then you had a graveyard shift moder- m- m- monitor, and he would listen for the bells. Wow. Because people would wake up in the coffin buried, and they would mm-hmm. ring the bell. You're listening to Coffin Talk with and Tim that, Rain. Where are you there? That is where the saying <laughs> Saved by the Bell came from. I never Ooh. knew that. It wasn't Slater and Zach, Jared. No, I, I think it wasn't all, Kelly Kapowski. I think it wasn't your also, brother Screech. <laughs> I, do, I do think that is also to do with boxing. Like the phrase saved by the bell is that you could be, if you're knocked down and the end of the round hits, you could be saved by the bell or not saved by the bell. That is true. Also true. But originally, bells were in coffins. Wow. I Look learned it up. something today. That's horrifying. I never say that on this show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> one of my favorite football storylines this year has been, and it, it, my thoughts on it are evolving. If you go back to m- the first Monday night game, Russell Wilson, Denver Broncos, Seattle Seahawks, the booing of Russell Wilson. Bick and I both were like, this guy gave his heart and his soul to a city, to a franchise for 10 years, took you to two Super Bowls, won one. How are you booing this guy? I had no idea that the bickering and the bad blood between Russell Wilson and everything Seattle was still out there. Pete Carroll uh, earlier this week talked about you know what, one of the reasons why Geno Smith is having such a great year. And he talked about cleaning up the operation. Quote, if you notice, Gino's going off the wristband, and that's a big help. Uh, it smoothed things out, sped things up, cleaned things up, and that's part of it, too. We never did that before. There was resistance to that, so we didn't do it before. Russell Wilson was asked about it and commented this way. Find out you don't like the play sheet on the wristband. Come to find out what do you mean. Pete Carroll said something about putting a wristband on the 
wristband? Wouldn't we call some wristband? Uh, I don't know exactly what he said, but but I, I think you know won a lot of games there without one on the wrist. Put it, you know, and uh, uh, I think that uh, you know I you know do whatever it takes to to, to make sure that we're rolling and, and moving and, and everything else. I've, I've, a few times I've definitely won a wristband depending on the game plan and what we have called and all that stuff. But yeah, Geno Smith is a big story this year, obviously. But the exit uh, or the <laughs> I don't know. The unceremoniously. The, the riddance <laughs> yes. of, of Russell Wilson from Seattle is right there. I mean, right. they're so glad to be gone. I mean, he apparently rode out of town on a donkey. I mean, <laughs> there's, I mean, <laughs> I mean, who, donkey and, country. And who, let's ride. Who would have thought there'd be that much animosity amongst the fan base and Pete Carroll and, and John Schneider and those guys? I mean, listen, Pete, Pete's been around the block. He knows when he gives a sound bite like that. Yes. It's gonna. It's you're 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 ripping the other guy. Yeah, and I thought Russell Wilson had a pretty good response. Like, hey, we we won a lot of games without the wristband. I have to remind everybody about that, including a Lombardi Trophy. So Phoenix is not the only place where we're talking about quarterbacks wearing or not wearing wristbands, and it's only been a two week thing for us. The NFL is quite possibly the best soap opera going. It really is. Usually it's the NBA, but the NFL is... Now the NFL is taking over that. Yeah. Right? Now they're the best soap opera. Now the NFL is going to take over the airwaves on uh, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. until noon. <laughs> that's the that's their next conquest. You can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, Sarah Cazell takes us through the big stories of the day with the Rush Hour reboot. It's Bickley and Murata mornings with Tim Ring sitting in today here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Getting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. Everyone, welcome on into the Rush Hour Reboot here on Bickley and Murata Mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. We take you through the top stories every single day at this time. And before we get started, uh, a very happy Veterans Day to all of you listening right now. Uh, yes. And even to those who are not listening, I guess, you're all welcome. Uh, a big thank you to our mil- military past and present. Uh, we greatly, greatly appreciate you and want to make sure you get the recognition you deserve today. Taking you through the top stories along with me, Sarah Cazell, is Tim Ring. Hello, Tim Ring. Hello. He's in for Dan Bickley today. Hello. Vince Murata. Yo, how you doing? <laughs> how you doing? <laughs> and Jared Carlin. Jim Drunkenmella! What? <laughs> was that you? I think that was Oh, me. it was definitely was Tim Ring. Tim doing some version of... The Dueling, Dueling Gambos. Ah. I mean, somehow we got to Jim Drunkenmiller. Jim Drunkenmiller! <laughs> that is all time. My goodness. Jim oh, Drunkenmiller, claim to fame, at least around these parts, is the, the only quarterback taken ahead of uh, Jake Plummer. Huh. In the 97 draft. Good little piece of trivia. Yeah. I'm guessing, when, trivia. I, I'm guessing when I belted out that Jim Drunkenmiller, it had to be the very last one of the Dueling Gambos because there was a lot of energy there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that had really to be, left it you, all out on the board. How do you top that? That, right, that, that had to be the last name given. And on a high. <laughs> Bad 49er quarterbacks. I, who knows what we were doing gambling there. But Oh, let's talk about quarterbacks in the NFC West. How about that? The Cardinals and the Rams play for the second time this season on Sunday. Uh, they first played in week three of the season. The Cardinals lost 20-12. to Kyler Murray attempted 58 passes in that game. No Oof. touchdown passes, though. Only field goals. 
for the Cardinals that day. Yes, oof is correct. Uh, the Cardinals, of course, are three and six. The Rams are three and five. But Kyler Murray said this week the Rams playing subpar football right now does not impact how they view this game. No, I don't. I don't think it changes anything. I just think you know we focus on ourselves and let the chips fall where they may. You know all the uptightness or whatever people are feeling the pressure and all that stuff, you got to throw that out the window because there really is no pressure. You know, there's, we're, we're haven't played the way we want to play. Um, we're three and six. You know, the, the, I don't see the pressure. And, and so that, that's 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 kind of how I feel about it. Man, interesting take, Vinny. We're so bad now, there's no pressure. I mean, we're three and six. <laughs> I found that so interesting, I mean, is that kind of what he's saying? Rather than... I hate to say really it, but like last week, that was there was pressure last week. Now not, we just... Not now so we much just, anymore. Yeah, now we just go out and play. Yeah. Well, we just got eight games left in the air. Who cares? Okay. I, I'm glad you found that notice, uh, notable, too, because I was like, hmm, that's, that's an interesting take. Although Kyler is the kind of guy to never, you know, never too high, never too low, pretty even keel. Uh, but the question I want to start off with, guys, is let's just assume that Matthew Stafford is out for this game. He's in NFL concussion protocols uh, with the Rams right now. If he is out, does that make the Cardinals the automatic favorite to win this game on Sunday? I don't think so. Um, just the, the recent history between these two teams. Look, you can look at a website or you can look at the results on paper and they say the Rams dominate this, but there's a psychological aspect to it as well. Um, The Cardinals are going back to a place where they put forth their worst effort last year. Uh, An embarrassing defeat that, you know, cast a lot of doubt on on this season and they've not recovered from that. I, I, I... John Wolford is is there for a reason. Um, you know, he's not Matthew Stafford, but Stafford's not been great shakes either, and, and maybe a change is something that that struggling offense needs. Who knows? Well, if they can't protect Wolford or Stafford, the Cardinals' defense should be able to do some good things. You know, when the Cardinals held the Rams to 20 points, the Cardinals' defense was doing a pretty good job keeping keeping the opposing team's points down. Uh, Vinny, unfortunately, uh, the winds of change have, have blown uh, through that defensive unit. The Cardinals right now have given up more points than any team in the National Football mm-hmm. League. So, it's interesting when people ask Kyler Murray, I don't know who asked him this, but like, really, you're going to talk about, you know, hey, the Rams are down. Is this a great opportunity? Like, hey, we're down! <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. Really? I mean, so... He, they're going to be easier to beat with John Wolford than Matthew Stafford. I, I will but not say, a lock. I will say no. that. Okay, but could we, we could Sarah, we could have Colt McCoy versus John Walford on indeed on Sunday. That's yep, that's absolutely correct. That would Kyler be something. Murray was limited in practice with his hamstring yesterday. Better than Chris Treveller against John Walford because seen, I've seen, that, seen movie, that movie heard and that. it's not good. Not, not a rewatchable. Not a rewatchable. <laughs> not a rewatchable. There will not be a Bill Simmons podcast about <laughs> it that is not movie. the it is not the diehard of football games. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move on to the Phoenix Suns. They're in Orlando tonight facing the Magic. Lucky. Who are- <laughs> <laughs> who are the second to worst team in the East right now? They're three and nine. Uh, only the Charlotte Hornets are worse right now, three and ten. Suns GM James Jones was on the Burns and Gambo show earlier this week, and he shared everything he knew about Cam Johnson, specifically the timeline for his recovery. I think a lot of times those estimates are great for for just kind of as a benchmark, but the first three weeks of a recovery will determine a lot. And so if he's he's trending well, it could be shorter. Uh, but like I said, I, I think four to six weeks from now we'll we'll have a better gauge of just how far along he is. 
He also said they will not let the short-term absence of Cam Johnson pressure them to make any short-term roster moves. You know, I, I understand the Jay Crowder situation and, and being light with the forwards with Cam. Uh, we will uh, address that at some point, um, but in the short term, we're just going to make sure when we address it, we address it with an eye towards the long term. All right, so earlier in the show, we were talking about Mikel Bridges and what a revelation he was in that last game, but it hasn't been consistent from him. If you guys could pinpoint one player to step up consistently in Cam Johnson's absence, who would be the most important guy to step up on the Suns right now? I'd probably go with Bridges. Um, tempted to say DeAndre Ayton. I'm but surprised it wasn't him, yeah. Look, the Suns, you know, I, I think DeAndre has been frustrating this week in the last two games, a win and a loss. But they've also proven the Suns that they don't need DeAndre Ayton to be great. I think everybody's hoping for him to be consistently great, but they can overcome that. Um, you know, Mikel Bridges can be a more consistent source of offense. We know what he's going to do defensively. He'd be my pick. I would agree with that. And I, I, as I always say about Bridges, he's a guy that can score, but I don't think he considers himself a scorer. I don't think yeah. he's the kind of player that, hey, we, we need a bucket. Let's dump it to Mikel. Yeah. Mikel, right. go get us a bucket. True. You know, he, he gets points out of the offense and cutting to the basket, mm-hmm. knocking down the occasional three. He's added the 10-foot pull-up jumper in the lane to his arsenal. But it doesn't mean now in the absence of Cam Johnson that Mikel can't be more aggressive yeah. and look oh, for a shot more and, and knock down shots when he has the opportunity. And I think that's what was so refreshing about that Timberwolves game in a time of need. He answered the bell. Not yeah. saved by the bell. Answered <laughs> the bell and came through with, with a game-high 31. Well, Booker had 32, but but a, but a, but a high-scoring right, right affair for him yeah. with 31. Yeah. Four steals, too. Yeah. Uh, saved by the bell. I will never look at that phrase, <laughs> that show, the same again. Uh, all right, let's quickly squeeze this in. we got to get to the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, Tempe City Council yesterday unanimously voted for more voting. The council Yay. decided, we love more voting. The council decided yesterday that in this coming May, on May 16th, there's going to be a special election for Tempe citizens for them to decide, yes or no, on the Coyotes' proposed arena and entertainment district. Um, Javier Gutierrez, who is the Coyotes' president and CEO, he went on Burns and Gambo yesterday to talk about the arena proposal and Tempe City Council. And Gambo asked him a, a great question. What is your message to the voters of Tempe? Why should they vote, but yes for you. That's how we feel confident, that when you explain the, the project, the deal, and who we are, and then you get into the community benefits and the opportunity for us as an organization to be that community leader that we have shown ourselves to be, then we think that's what will really sway the day for the voters in the city of Tempe to really embrace this opportunity to create something that will be iconic. All right. What do you guys think about all of this? Your reaction? Well, they're going to have ample time to get the message to the voters because that vote doesn't take place for six more months in this never-ending saga. But, you know, yesterday was a positive. Tim mentioned it earlier, kind of a formality with the Tempe City Council. Uh, there was a time where this was not going to go to public vote, so I guess that's disappointing that it's 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 still... For the Coyotes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's still possible that this could get rejected, uh, which I don't want to think about that, but uh, right. yeah. You're always going to have your curmungeons and your naysayers, and I don't want the traffic, and I don't want the people, and I don't want the late night events. But if it's but not, let's leave Sky Harbor Airport out of this. I was just going to say, all the pilots who are going to show up. But, oh, yeah. but if it's not a financial burden to the individual, 
why would anybody be against it? Except for maybe, like I said, some people that might have a problem with traffic in the yeah. crowds and they just don't want the commotion that it would bring. Or, I mean, this, simply, is a, this is a cool thing, yeah, I would think. Like, si- or simply people that are just not hockey fans or don't yeah, think hockey don't belongs here. They don't want know. their money to go to sports. Yeah, but, but, but they yeah. might be music fans, concerts, sure. I mean, activity. Great point. Uh, economic impact. Yeah. And it's not it's just cool. the arena. There's the, the, the rest of the stuff that will come with yes. it. There's the theater, the office space, the apartment space, the shopping, etc. So I, I, just, I don't. I don't. I, I, You're asking me to think why, why people think the way they do. I I, I have no answer. <laughs> Read people's yeah. minds, Vince. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just. No, I'm looking for any reason that somebody would be like, nah, no. Nah. Maybe Tweet somebody us. moved here from Tweet Canada. Us if it's a no for you. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, Thank you, Sarah. We're all Thanks. rebooted. Rush hour reboot every morning at uh, seven thirty. Coming up next, we've heard some thoughts from the Cardinals going into the Rams game. What are the Rams thinking about their opponent heading into Sunday's game for these two desperate teams? We'll tell you about it next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings with Tim Ring in uh, for Bick today here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Football Friday with Bickley and Murata. Presented by 72 Sold, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Changes have to be made. Adjustments have to be made. Um, we can't continue to go on like this. And, um, you know, what that looks like, I don't necessarily have the exact answers right now. Um, you know, and what I don't want to have anything be misunderstood is that I'm not in this with those guys. I'm a big part of this. I have to do better. Um, we're going to stay connected throughout this, but we do have to be able to look inward and, and figure out what are some of the solutions, changes, adjustments, different things that we have to do to be able to get different results and different production from our offense. We have so many games where the defense will get a stop and then we'll go to the sideline and they'll be like, y'all stay like then. Y'all stay like then so we, y'all don't have to go back out there again. Like, it shouldn't be like that. We got to have some dogs who are going to be like, close this out. We're going to close this out. That's Sean McVay followed by Jalen Ramsey. Um, the L.A. Rams, the opponent for the Arizona Cardinals this week. And... Look, what Sean McVay said, you can kind of cut and paste that feeling over to Cliff Kingsbury. We have to make changes. Don't know what they are. You know, there's been a lot of diagnosing of problems this year for both of these offenses. But let's start here. For as disappointing as the Cardinals offense has been this year, the Rams offense has been worse. Especially in the last two weeks. And their losses to San Francisco and Tampa Bay, they've scored a total of 27 points. They've had 223 total yards against San Francisco and barely got over 200 last week against Tampa Bay. Two good defenses. Let's not take that out of the mix. But for a, a Rams offense with Cooper Cup and you know Matthew Stafford at the controls, they've Sean got, McVay, they've got coach. And Sean McVay is the coach designing the whole thing. Um, they've they've got offensive line issues just like the Cardinals do. But this Rams offense has been an absolute travesty to this point. They miss Beckham. Yes. Allen Robinson has not been good. Their nope. third wide receiver is a you know, Ben Skoranek, a guy. I mean, the late round draft pick. I mean, nice possession receiver, but certainly you know Van Jefferson was out for a while. They have nothing in the run game. Nothing in the run game, but. You know, let's be honest. When they when they had an offensive line, those two backs got the job done. Yep. 
it just goes to show you, we talked about it earlier a little bit, uh, the, the old adage, it starts up front, and you, you, they're down to third and fourth string guys. I mean, they're, you know, the old cliche, we're pulling guys off the street. Like, they're literally pulling guys off the street yeah. to play offensive line. Hey, you, big guy, holding the pretzel. <laughs> like, when we have Mark Schlereth-on, when we <laughs> Try have... Try this helmet on. Right. When we have Max Starks on, when we have Mark Schlereth-on, they're obviously biased with their history in the league as linemen, mm-hmm. but they... So emphasize how much of the game comes down to protection, the offensive line, and you just sort of take it for granted because those aren't flashy players, but these are two teams, the Cardinals and the Rams are two big examples of how supposedly good offenses could just be shut down by that. And I think, Jared, you, you bring up a great point, and I think it's almost like the Rams illustrated more than the Cardinals, because you could say, well, the, the, the Cardinals have... They don't have a proven track record of great success with that head coach and quarterback outside of a seven-game run one season. But the Rams, you can't argue with the success of a Sean McVay and a Cooper Cup and even Matthew Stafford now has a has a, a, a ring on his finger. And that whole offense cannot function because they cannot block anybody. No. Um, again, similar to the Cardinals. Now, one of the guys the Cardinals are going to be tasked with blocking, Aaron Donald, was asked yesterday about his reaction to what we heard from Jalen Ramsey. That's the one thing that hasn't happened. Jalen Ramsey kind of stepped out from the defense and said, look, the offense has got to pick it up. You know, we we got to close this blank out was the way that, that soundbite ended. The Cardinals haven't had anybody on defense break ranks yet uh, against the offense. Uh, Aaron Donald was asked to his reaction to what Ramsey said. Honestly, I really I heard he said something, but I, I don't know exactly what he said. But um, I'm, I'm, I don't know what he said, but I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I don't I don't think he went about it in a, in, a, in a wrong way. He just, after a tough loss, you know, there's, there's a lot on your mind. Sometimes you need to get stuff off your chest. So. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Straight forward and just keep it real. That's just who Jalen is. You know, he ain't gonna hold back. You know, I, I think um, he, he's in the right mindset to say certain things. I don't think he mean it in a in a way he's trying to pull the team apart. If anything, he's trying to bring guys together. So, um, I, exactly, I don't know what he said, but me just knowing who Jalen is as a person, um, I'm pretty sure he, he meant the he he just said something that was on his chest that you know he tried to put out there to you know we got to try to find a way to win. Let me be real clear. Aaron Donald knows exactly what Jalen Ramsey uh-huh. said. He sounded at the beginning of that answer. He sounded a little bit like James Jones when he was asked about Jamal Crawford <laughs> <laughs> being in the building. Wait, <laughs> well, Jalen said, "What? what, 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 what oh, hang wait. on, hang on, hang on. I got to go. Come phone. I'll drop my phone. Yeah. No, and Vic and I kind of we kind of hashed this out a little bit the other day, Vinny. So I'll kind of get your thoughts on it, so I don't kind of repeat myself. But I thought Jalen Ramsey was out of line a little bit, and this is what Cliff was talking about. We got to stay together as a team. But that's what Aaron Donald said too. I think he's trying to bring guys together. No, no. that's not how you do it. No, and, Jalen and, Ramsey's not adept at that. Jalen Ramsey has gotten himself in hot water no. before. I mean, remember the GQ article? Right. Josh Allen is trash. And uh, yeah, and uh, you know, unless you're shutting teams out, there's always ways you can get better too. Mm-hmm. And no matter what Stafford and Cup and some of those veterans on offense will say publicly, I guarantee they're not happy with Jalen Ramsey doing that. And the really quick, the analogy I gave the other day, Vinny, was you know if Matthew Stafford and the Rams lost in a shootout, Matthew Stafford wouldn't start mf in the defense in a game in the locker room after the game. No, he wouldn't do that. 
so it, it, I, just because Jalen, well, Jalen Ramsey's a different kind of player, and he's that's, he's emotional. It still not, doesn't make it right, and that's that's kind of what I was saying the other day. I just uh, that that's how you that's how you further fracture a team. Yeah, and we don't have any um, indication of whether or not Matthew Stafford's going to play. He's still in concussion protocol as of this morning. Cooper Cup was asked about, hey, what's it going to be like if you got to go without Stafford? Yeah, well, obviously you're gonna miss uh, Matthew if he's not able to go. Um, that's, that would be that'd be tough. He's just such a you know a great player for us. Um, you know, me and Wolf of Wall Street, we go way back. We've had some time playing with each other, uh, so you know it's gonna be, it'll be fun to be able to, you know if that's what it is. You know, it'll be fun to be out there with him. Um, he's got great command. He's done this he's run this offense for a while now. So um, you know, we you just you've heard it said over and over again. It's next man up mentality. You know, if it, if it comes to that, and uh, you know, we should be ready to go go play ball. Cooper Cup's nickname for John Wolford is Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that too when I was cutting that up. <laughs> All right, I had no idea. It's a longer name than his actual name. I, I know you can't have a nicknames are supposed to be shorter. Come on, didn't you ever play hockey, Cooper Cup? <laughs> Just call him Wolfie. <laughs> the Wolfman even would work. Wolfer. Wolfer. What if he pulled like? Wolford plays, and then he pulls an actual Wolf of Wall Street, and they want to bring Stafford back in, and he says, I'm not leaving! (laughs) 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 Yeah, I've seen that movie too many times. Uh, We are halfway through on this Friday. We will continue Football Friday, breaking down Cardinals Rams. Tim Ring in for Bick today here on Bickley and Murata Mornings, live from the Ak-Chin Community Studios on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.